Moving up, moving out, moving along. Where are you headed next? I'm Christy Cassidy, your host and the creator of Moving Along, a podcast about travel, relocation, and life transitions. Listen in to real life stories as we explore moving along and what it takes to make your life a positive new adventure. Christina and Jamie Krim, thank you so much for being here at Moving Along. Thank you for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. I'm going to start with you, Christina. You grew up in Poughkeepsie, the home of Vassar College here in the Hudson Valley, about an hour and a half north of New York City. What did travel and moving mean to you as a child? As a child, we did a lot of traveling up and down the East Coast, up and down the 95. So very acclimated to traveling. It meant freedom. It meant experiencing new things. It meant creativity for me. And traveling was an oasis. It was really an opportunity to get out and see new things, meet new people, and have new experiences, new things to cherish. And you traveled by car? By car and by plane. Went to Canada in the summertime as a kid and truly enjoyed that. That was an awesome experience. Tell me about Canada. Went to Quebec during the summer and was grateful that my grandma would send me. And it was amazing just the culture and, you know, being able to speak French at that time, I was pretty good at it. And the food, amazing, you know, eating pate and stuff like that. (laughs) So it it was an awesome experience just to, to be in a different country for one and not be here in the United States all the time. And then be able to see how other people lived and navigated through life and what they valued and what was important to them and learning more about schooling and education out there. It it was a great experience. Was it camp, Christina? It was for French class every summer. I think it was for three years that I went and we would go and be able to experience life like we were surrogate students, basically but we would go for the summer. So it was amazing. It was awesome. And we had some really good maple syrup before we came back home, maple syrup and pancakes. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember. Were you in high school? Were you in grade school? I was basically in middle school. Middle school. So you Mm -hmm. still have the French. Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit. Bonjour. Merci beaucoup. (laughs) That's great. Jamie. Yes. You grew up in Ford Heights, Illinois, in Cook County, about 30 miles due south of downtown Chicago. And correct me if I have mixed up my uh, directions here or my information. If I understand it, Ford Heights was a stop on the Underground Railroad. And it also lies on the Lincoln Highway, which ran from the first transcontinental highway, right, from Times Square to San Francisco. And then later was largely superseded by I-80. Let me ask you, what did travel and moving mean to you as a child? Traveling. Yeah, we traveled a lot. It was was me, my two brothers. My dad used to take us out uh, on vacations and travel. But, you know, in the city of Chicago traveling, yeah, you got a lot of, you know, crazy drivers and, you know, 
it it meant a lot though. I miss it. You know, I miss it. I miss you miss Chicago? Yeah. You know, it's an experience. If you haven't been, you should go. Just I have been. Winter time is beautiful, you know, with the snow, but it's cold. It's cold. Just gotta come bundled up. You know what I mean? Just come bundled up. But yeah, traveling, it meant a lot. It means a lot. You know, I get to see everything, see different things. So yeah. Where did you go with your dad and your brothers? Eight, nine years old. So Disney World, we went to Odyssey, Odyssey Fun World, but uh, Great America. Oh, so, yeah. It was, what, four hours away from Fort Heights. About four, yeah, about four hours from Fort Heights. Yeah, but you said something that I didn't know. You said, what about Fort Heights, uh, the Underground Railroad? Did you say that? I did. I did. I did not know that at all. Yeah. So. So yeah. why'd you leave? Leave Chicago for trucking. Also, I have another child. So my first child is with my baby's mother, you know, and we was together for a while. We was together for like six years, seven years or something like that. I'm a good dude. You know, I took care of. Before we got together, you know, I took care of her eight-month-old child, and which I called my child because I was with her, so I accepted our responsibility. So I took care of the child. But near here nor there, that's why I left. I had to move forward for my child and make a better life for him. So that's why I decided and go to California and make a new life for me and for my child's future. So... I decided to get a truck driver because my brother, he was a truck driver as well. So he the one to actually put that into my head to do it. I said, when he brought it to me, I'm like, he was like, man, bro, why you on a truck driver? I'm like, man, I'm not trying to uh, big truck road highway. I don't know. I don't know. That I, I, then I told him, I was like, that'll be the, what I say? I said, that'll be my last re- resort. That's what I said. I said, that'll be my last resort. That, that. All right. So end up being the last resort. I'm like, you know what? I got to move forward. She's holding me back. So I got to move on. I don't stand nothing that I'm not wanted. So yeah, time to move. So that's why I did. I moved to California. Ended up working out there. And like me, I'm a people person. I'm nice. I'm a nice person. I'm straightforward. You know, I present myself well and people tend to cling to me. You know what I mean? So I end up going to Cali on a whim and I did make good people. People held me down, I held them down. And yeah, it just kept going, you know. So I was in truck driving and that's when I met this one. <laughs> but we didn't get that far yet. But yeah. No, that's one of my questions. Tell me what town you went to in California. Was that, that wasn't Bakersfield, does it? No, that wasn't yet. It was Lancaster. That's how I ended up getting into truck driving. Well, First company I worked for, CRST. Mm-hmm. Christina, you moved to California when you were 21 with a brief stopover in the Carolinas to visit family, I presume. Mm-hmm. And you say you didn't like Northern California too much, but loved SoCal. Yes, you moved, I did. You moved so much, your friends called you frequent flyer miles, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And after seven years of California living, you said you went through a pretty bleak period. You called it your 40 days and 40 nights of sadness. Then you decided to move back to the Hudson Valley. And I wondered if 
you could tell us about that time, what was going through your heart and your head? I can most definitely go back there. So you're absolutely right in your facts. I did stop off in the Carolinas before I went to Cali. And when I left, I was striking out on my own and a previous relationship propelled me to California. Uh, He was a computer engineer, so making good money. And we went to San Jose first. I just, I feel like the first maybe month or so San Jose was cool, but Northern California is very different. It's a different culture. People's ideals are different. The way they interact with people is very different. I I was there for two years, but I was miserable. I, I just hated San Jose so, so much. And it wasn't until we moved to Mountain View, which is a suburb city next to San Jose, that I was starting to basically like Northern California and thought that there was beauty there in a sense, it made me have a healthier perspective for Northern California. I'll put it like that. It was a good experience. And then we quickly moved from Mountain View to Solana Beach. And oh my gosh, SoCal, I came to life. I love Solana Beach. I was at the beach practically every day. I'm a beach bum, so I loved it. It it was amazing. You were still with your partner and he was- was. Yes, I was. He he was paying the bills. He's the reason why I had <laughs> I had the lifestyle that I had. I was an on and off security guard at a local tavern down there. I was a bouncer, but I pretty much was just enjoying life, really. I mean, <laughs> I had a boyfriend that made good money at the time, you know what I mean? So, you know, you're in Cali, you're living in life, you're enjoying the experience, but Solana Beach was home for me. I mean, I'm not from California, but it was truly home for me. I was totally in love with that moment. You know, if I was sad, mad, whatever the case may be, I could walk out to the beach and just talk to God and just have my moment and then get back into the game, you know? And the people were awesome. People were awesome. I love horses. So Del Mar Fairgrounds was literally right down the street from my house. You could drive past or go in and you'd see horses and stuff. It was you ride? Sorry. Yes, I used to ride as a kid. I did. And I loved it too. It was awesome. But Solana Beach had very familiar things for me that made being there being pleasant. But then it was also very different because it's California. California is a beautiful state, whether it's pieces of North, you know, California or not. But there's so much variety there and so much just to experience. Like, you don't do it all in one day. You know what I mean? It's Cali. That's for sure. Especially Southern California, it seems. Yeah, Southern California was for me. And then I, I was in Carlsbad for a little while. You know, we were in Solana Beach, I believe, for two years, too. And then kind of bounced around the rest of the time to the other places you know, did San Diego a little bit. And then I ended up in Temecula and Marietta area. My church family was out there and that almost gets to my 40 days and my 40 nights. They had uh, found out that I was, I had left my then boyfriend and I was homeless and I had been homeless for 30 days. 
I was the cleanest homeless person you would probably see. I was going to the gym, taking my showers, acting like life was normal. Where did you sleep? In my car. It was just me in my car. Marietta? Mm-hmm. I would, I would move around. I'd be in Marietta, be at Solana Beach on the beach. I'd be at the beach all day, get in my car, find somewhere safe to go, go to sleep. Sometimes I even fell asleep on the beach. I'd just stay there. It sounds rather heartbreaking. It was because when my church family found out that I had been homeless and no one knew, people were asking me, they knew I was from New York, but they were like, where, like, where are you from? And do you have any family to go to or any type of help or anything like that? And I was so apprehensive. I didn't want to go back to New York. That wasn't the healthiest thing for me at that time. So it was heartbreaking. And I just was like, well, I guess this is, you know, when you're grown up, sometimes you got to do the things you don't want to do. So I packed whatever additional stuff I could in my car to get across country. And that was a trip. (laughs) I remember Amarillo, Texas. I was so excited when I got to Amarillo, Texas. (laughs) Why? Tell me about Amarillo. Because I had basically out of my gas money that I ended up getting, I had enough to have enough, you know, a night stay in a hotel. So I got a shower, got something decent to eat. But it was just looking at the culture, seeing things around, you know, kind of drove around a little bit to kind of learn Armorillo and then was ducking and dodging tornadoes. So I was hoping that I wouldn't end up in Kansas. And then (laughs) I was on my way. (laughs) So it was fun. It was a fun night for sure. But across my journey, I was facing my fears and facing my apprehensions. There was a lot of things going through my mind when I left to initially come back to the East Coast from Cali. I had been gone so long. I had been on my own. For seven years, right? Mm-hmm. So you yeah. were like 28, 29? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. So I came back, finally got back to New York, seen the New York sign. And I quickly got my associate's degree finished like a couple of months was graduated basically. I was doing online school. So that was another thing with my lifestyle. I was able to blend in easy because I didn't have to go to a classroom. My teacher was online, you know. Were you living with your mom? Were you in Poughkeepsie? Yeah, I stayed with my mom. And then at the time my stepdad, and that was only for a couple of months. And I just, like I said, I just couldn't do New York. So I left. I went back to Carolina. I got my aesthetics degree at Aveda Institute in Chapel Hill. North Carolina is always dear to my heart. Most of my family is from there, but I just love NC. And once I got that completed, I was out again. But at this time I was on to trucking. I I was flat broke and I was trying to get into trucking to pave a way to hopefully generate a business to get back into school. And I wanted to become a doctor. So, you know, that was my goal at the time. Is there a line from aesthetics to medicine for you? I was in medicine already. I started out as a massage therapist. I worked my way up to holistic health practitioner from holistic health practitioner. I got my associate's degree from University of Phoenix. I am a Phoenix. 
love Phoenix. And then I proceeded to aesthetics and I love Aveda. I love their concept. I love what they stand for. So I was very proud to have accomplished that. And then after that, if I would have had the money that I needed to go back to school, I would have gotten my bachelor's, my master's, and then I would have pursued my doctorate degree. But in your journeys, even though you have a plan, sometimes they don't always work out the way you want them to. Jamie mentioned that it was an older brother, his friends that got him into trucking. Who or what got you in with the idea that trucking could be a way out? Well, my mom has had a commercial license since I was a kid. I've had a few cousins that were truck drivers near and dear to me. You know, most of them live in North Carolina or they live in the South. So I was exposed to that lifestyle. I also had a few friends, you know, in South Carolina area. They also were into trucking and that was their hustle and what they did and had businesses. So I had the exposure, but really it was my hunger to just have a exit, to have a way out. So you did it. You went and you got your commercial license and you started doing it. I signed up with CRST. They told me they were bringing me to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I was there. I was at boot camp and I was going to get my commercial license and I was going to drive a tractor trailer and I was going to get my out so I could get back to my education. It, it was challenging for sure um, to wow. take on a task that I only had exposure to, you know, these are other people's stories, but I took it on and I was like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to see it through. And I did. And I met my husband in the process in Windy, Wyoming. The two of you met in Windy, Wyoming Mm -hmm. and Jamie, Mm -hmm. describe your meeting. Man. All right. So me, I would have never done anything like that. I would just kept trucking. You know, because that's what I do. I truck. So, I mean, I see somebody on the side of the road. Look, I, I can't. No, I ain't got time for that. I got to go. You know, I'm worried about me. So while I was training in CRST, I had a good trainer. And I had passed everything. And he was like, man, I'm going to give you something to, um He was like, basically, you're a great driver. But, you know, I'm not no but. But I'm going to let you know something. Some people just, we all team, right? So CRST. All, you know, corporate does million trucks. So he was like, man, just when you're driving sometime and you see one of our CRST on the side of the road, just pull over. You know, pull over and make sure they are all right if you've got time. Go ahead, you know, pull over, make sure they don't need none, you know, they need water or something like that. Just make sure they're good. And they're going about the way. I'm like, all right, I'll do that. You were driving alone by It was me. And Benji. And my, my good friend, Benji, Brandon, <laughs> okay. Brandon. So it was me and him, and he was in the back seat. You know, it was my shift, so I was driving. Benji was, ooh, he was young. He was 20, man, like 22, 23 at that time. He, he was, you know, he a uh, good dude. He was from Chicago as well. You know, that's how we ended up clicking, because he was already from Chicago, and we was in class and how it worked out was, so once you get done with your training, like I said, CRST, you know, you have to have a co-driver. So if you click with somebody and you talking and everything, you're like, look, I need a co-driver. 
You know, you need a cold driver? Yeah, I need a cold driver. And come to find out, he was from Chicago. I am too. Boom. There we go. So we both uh, end up being drivers, you know, being a team. So this time he was asleep. I was driving. I was in Wendy, Wyoming. I can't remember where, but I know I was going up a hill because I was about, I saw him on the right-hand side of the road. So I was going out in my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm about to pass him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going I'm to go ahead and pull over. I got time. I ain't got, I got time to burn, you know. I'll pull over, you know, so I did. I was good, pull off off the side of the road. And, you know, I made it a minute. I'm like, B, Benji, wait, hey, wake up. Hey, look, somebody on the side of the road, Matt, we got time. I'm about to go here and make sure that good. And then we out. Hey, nigga, what you waking me up for? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'm real. I'm telling the whole story. How, what I said, what he said, all of it. But anyway, so yeah, I'm clean. You know what I mean? You know, I'm clean and everything. So I'm jumping out. Make sure everything good. You know, I got my water. I grabbed some water too. I'm like, all right. I'm so I didn't even see her yet though. When I rolled past, I didn't see her. She I, she wasn't even, there wasn't nobody outside or she said she was outside, but all right. So she must've heard me pull over. She heard somebody pull over. So when I jumped out, you know, I was walking and I see her. So she sees me. So we walking towards one another. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. All right. She got a nice, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Every okay. time you tell this story, that's all you're thinking about. Man, no, I'm saying, but I, you know, she was cute. I already know she was cute. So I went down lower, like, I see what you got, man. Yeah. And you know it was bad because she had some. Look, like I said, you know no, no, like I said, Miss uh, Cassidy, I'm, I'm real. I'm saying exactly <laughs> what uh, I was saying to myself, right? But what she had on was some green. Were they green or maroon? They were blue. Green. What color was it? <laughs> you don't y'all, even y'all know. Y'all know what it is, right? You don't even remember. I know what they were. I don't even know the color though. <laughs> they were remember. shorts. <laughs> no, they were shorts. Y'all remember the phrase? Coochie cutters. <laughs> she had the short. They were short coochie cutters. That's what they call it. <laughs> so yeah, they were really short. They was like some 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 short. What what what? Short shorts. That's yeah, all short you shorts. have to there was say. Short shorts. But anyway, I aye, saw aye, that. Aye. I, I saw. I'm a leg man. You know, I love legs. <laughs> you know, you got some tight. You know, some perfect legs. <laughs> you know, and she caught me. She just and cute. You know, out. All right. So what are we at a grocery store? No, you we like are, legs. We are never, okay. And I saw all this. This all going through the, in my mind. You know, so we get up to one another, and I'm like, "You good? You all right?" And she paused for a second. What did you say? We didn't say anything, first of all. I did. The, in the whole story, wait, I'm just going to cut him off right now because I don't even know where he goes. 
What do you mean? I'm so we said story. we said that Cupid was flying around because we were silent. We were standing there for like three minutes and we didn't say anything to each other. Now he's right. He was clean. He looked bad. He was from head to toe. He had some fresh kicks on. His, his pants was pressed. You know, shirt had no wrinkles in it. Nope. You driving and you ain't got no wrinkles in your shirt. He looked very nice and very respectable. So, yes. It was hot outside. To be in Windy, Wyoming, yeah, I had some shorts. But I had also been walking up and down that highway for the last four hours. So it was like really like just afternoon, you know, early afternoon, evening-ish type. It was a sunny day. It was hot. I went and put my shorts on and I just kept walking down the highway. I was like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? I was getting exercise. Nobody wanted to stop. Nobody stopped. There was there for hours. There were trucks and stuff that went by. Nobody stopped. And he just, he did. He stopped. He took the advice of his trainer. He stopped. But when we were there, we, you know, we joked. Keep it was running around going, oh, look at me, look at me. All right, before all that, though, all right? So so she she jumping ahead, all right? So we meet each other, right? I asked her everything right. She's like, no. What would you say? uh, I said, I'm with this dimwit because I was. I was, I had a partner, too. And my partner did not know how to drive. It was ridiculous. Like, we were on the side of the road, broke down, waiting for a tow truck to come from Salt Lake City, Utah. All right. So, yeah, that happened, right? So, I'm on the truck. She's, I think, was the guy in the driver's seat? Yeah, he was. I think he was in the driver's seat. I don't know what he was doing. He was a dimwit. He shouldn't have been driving the tractor trailer. I'm telling you, he was unsafe, 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 and more unsafe. Just shouldn't have been driving. But. So, he didn't know there. <laughs> right. So she was like, uh, yeah, it won't start. I'm like, I bet you I can figure it. Fix it. I bet you I know what it is. Did I not? I'm like, I, bet you, I, I bet you I know what it is. That's right. What so said. so I got in the chair. I'm like, excuse me. So I got in the chair and I already heard before this even happened. That's how things work out. I mean, I don't know if people, you know, believe everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? So before this even happened, I had a conversation with uh no, person that was like man we have the trucks we have problems with these trucks and i'm like what's going on with the trucks it was like the steering wheel so i get there and yeah i was like i bet you i can get it she's like no you can't i'm like watch so i did i did with it and i started right up i'm like yeah my dispatcher my dispatcher was like look we still come to get it so you just go sit on the side of the road it was very nice what he did though it you know like i said he's a mechanic and so it was very very, very sweet what he did. But while he was doing that, I was sitting there looking at him. I'm like, okay, he is kind of cute, but is he like an axe murderer or something like that? I was like, do I even pay him any attention? Do I give him my number? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I wasn't even going to take the whatever. number. I was just so- coming to be <laughs> assistance, and then I, I was just going to go about my way and keep trucking. I wouldn't that was when I came to truck driving. No, he was he was genuine. He was very genuine from the time he got out the truck, you know, to everything that he did. He was very genuine, very but yeah, I was looking at him like, you know. I want you to No, I did not say that. Oh my gosh. You thought the same thing. You've been talking about some short shorts or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I did. Ay, ay, eat the way. But anyway, <laughs> I did not say that. All I'm saying is 
that he was very sweet and I just was. I was like, mm, you know, mm, could he be an axe murderer? Mm, should I really give this dude my number? <laughs> eh, but so, you gave him your number, right? No, that's not exactly how it happened. So I had my number. I wrote it down while he was doing all that. And I had it in my hand. And then before he left, I handed him the piece of paper and he was like, thank you. And then he walked away. And so he knew because I, I said, said thank you. yeah, you said, thank you. I did. And then he walked away and then he calls me. He knows I'm going to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City by a tow truck. Guess who calls as I'm pulling into Salt Lake City? He calls. Just wanted to make sure you got there okay. And we've been stuck like glue ever since. Yep. That's a wonderful story. So did you start a trucking company together or you were both working for CRST and therefore, tell me what happened next? So we were both working for CRST, but I branched off first and got my own trucking company, which was CC Crim. And then he branched off later and got one that was called Warrior J. So that's how that went. And like many businesses, you know, you you strike out, but then most businesses fail because of lack of financial, you know, resource. Sometimes you bite off more you can chew. And that too, you know, so being a baby in the industry of trucking, you know, you don't have all the resources that are necessary to survive those shark infested waters, your doors will close pretty quickly. So, you know, we both experienced a little bit of that, but we still kept moving forward. You know, you were doing trucking eight years, right? Eight years. Eight years. And what about you, Christina? I was six. Six years. Did it ever become one business or you each had your own independent? It was independent. Mm-hmm. We're we're creme de la creme or team creme de la creme. Yep, yep. So you know we was trying to get it on all ends, um, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So when I was going to ask you about the romance of the road, I mean, was was there any of that after the windy Wyoming, or was it just kind of like, of course. here we are, entrepreneurs, and we have to make this work, or what was it like? We were teammates before we were entrepreneurs. So we were on the road all the time. Good, bad, and different. And we've had all those. Yeah, it was. was (laughs) We've had all those. It was an up and down. But it was worth it. Yeah. It was fun. It's a a long story, though. Like, (laughs) our life is long. Like, we we just bring it we just minimizing it for you, but yeah, it's we even broke yeah. up at one point. We did. Yeah, Don't tell you the up, truth. Yeah. We we broke up. Yes, we did. But we got to be in new cities practically every night, right? Yeah. And we got to taste different food and again meet different, different people, people and just different environments. And we had our good days and we had our bad days. We've argued and then still had to be on the truck with each other. When I look at you guys, you just seem like such an amazing couple to me. Tell me, you moved to Las Vegas. Was that a place you particularly liked in your travels? And therefore you thought, oh, let's go to Vegas? 
Okay, so before we get to Vegas, we got to point out one city that we didn't even mention. And that was Bakersfield, California. So oh, like, Bakersfield, yes. So while Jamie was getting Warrior J up and going and motivated, he was based out of Bakersfield. So when me and Nasaya came out from the East Coast, we went to Bakersfield. And oh, tell me when Nasaya came along. Oh, so Nasaya was born in June of 2016. Right. Um, and he is our miracle baby. And he is a trip without the luggage. Where was he born? <laughs> he was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Were you guys both there? Or is that just where you decided to have him and you went there because of their good OBGYN department or what? So we were both present and we went there because I was sick with fibroids and carrying my son. I had oh. one fibroid that was the size of a watermelon. Oh, I'm sorry. They're supposed yeah. to be so painful. Yeah, they were. And yeah. he was in there. He was in there, my little bundle of joy, but he is our miracle baby. And um, Yep, he sure is. They said, <laughs> so she told me one time, she was like, baby, the doctor said, with the, I'm not going to be able to have a baby. Right or wrong? Yes. All right, so I had just see. came from my doctor's visit and she gave me that gut wrenching news. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute, stop. Because <laughs> right, she really wanted a baby and yeah, heard of the death. So I'm like, man, that's dope. So I'm like, it'll happen. You know, that, whatever, it's going to happen. If, it, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And she just kept on crying to me. I want to be all right. It's gonna happen. <laughs> wow, it's, really? Yes, I'm telling the truth. Shame <laughs> them, tell the truth, shame them. Okay, so oh, how it all happened, though. How it all happened, everything else for me. How it all happened. I came back after my baby was there, she was working for the other company, and she was there at my aunt's house. And it just came over me like, I missed you, I love you, you the one, and it, it just happened. And then she, we end up leaving and moving to Connecticut. Well, before we moved to Connecticut, we moved. Well, we went, York. yeah, we went back and stayed with my family. Right, yeah. We moved with, with her grandmother for a while. And I mean, and she ended up finding a job for me in Brewster, New York. None I can do. So detailing came about. She called. He's very good at detailing. OMG. Very good at detailing. You do cars, trucks, you do everything, motorcycles? Anything. Yeah. Anything. Wow. Anything. Yeah. Really good. I can look at say, okay, that's what I need, that's what I need, make a ladder. I ain't did no big, big truck. Mm-hmm. No, but, well, I've done my truck when I was truck driving. Yeah, I had to wash my own truck and stuff like that, you know. Oh, yeah, it's a story for damn boy. Story. Yeah. Yes, he was working in Brewster and we yeah. were living in Connecticut and my doctor was really good. I was actually at St. Mary's, which is a good hospital in Waterbury. My doctor said, I'm not going to have you deliver here. I want you to deliver in New Haven. I want you and your baby to be extra safe. And it was kind of crazy because before my son was born, we had been behind a car accident on our way in and we were late. So we had called and we're like, we're going to be late. And they were like, okay, you know, no problem. And then uh, we get there and my husband and my dad were in the room and we were having a conversation. 
And the next thing I know, the nurses come flying in and they're like, do you feel anything? And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I knew something was up. My medical brain let me know something was going on. And then they're like, cause you're in labor, you know, you're, you're in labor and you're contractions. And I'm like, what? Like, you gotta be joking. I'm, I can't have this baby like normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-uh. And they're like, to the OR stat. I mean, it was like a Grey's Anatomy, you know, picture frame. Sounds like but it. Were you scared? I was scared for my son, yeah. I was very scared for but my son. But not for yourself. I mean, <clears throat> that doesn't set in when the adrenaline is rushing and you're going through. I knew the odds. I knew what my doctor had told me. I knew that if I had had a normal birth, I might not be here. But I was more scared for him. Mm-hmm. I know that when he came out, Jamie was right by my side and I'm grateful for that. But I know that in my mind, I didn't hear him cry. And that was scary. No, he cried. Jamie says he cried, he cried. but I didn't hear him he cry. Came out, they, ah! <laughs> I didn't hear him cry. It yeah, was, it was like cried. a silent pause. And then I heard him cry. Wow. So. I'm just curious. <laughs> Did they get rid of that fibroid when you had... Uh, Nasaya. So I had a hysterectomy, full hysterectomy. Ah. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. out of here. But then you're not in the pain, right? No, right. I am free. Free, yeah, free. Yeah. And you have a beautiful miracle baby. Yep. Yes. So yeah, go ahead. He was born in Connecticut. Yeah. And he's going to know it his whole life, right? He's going to be like, I was born in New Haven. Excuse me. I long to go to Yale, like when I get older. (laughs) He already made plans to get a house. And where he was like, where he was born, she wants to get a house for him in Connecticut, where he was born. Oh, well, I'm sure he would appreciate that. (laughs) Maybe you guys could live there too, right? Huh? Before he takes over the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, son, I know I bought your house, but your daddy needs to stay tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, back to your question, which was Bakersfield. Bakersfield came first and then Las Vegas, right? Yeah. So how Las Vegas came about was that me and Nasaya had been in Bakersfield for about a month or so. The people so you were left off. Connecticut. You left your yeah. place in Connecticut. Well, we, we actually did come and stay with my mom for a little bit after we left Connecticut. Thanks. And that's how we met you and Nan. I was going to say, that's how, yes, that's when yeah. we met. Right. Yeah, that's how we he met. was still an infant. Yes, he was. He was still a baby. So that's how me, you, Nan, all of us met, you know, even Dr. Ree. I remember all that. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were here for a little bit and then we left to go to Bakersfield. And when we got to Bakersfield, I liked some of the people, but the environment was, it's a desert. I mean, the opportunity was very lacking, you know, job security, eh, not the greatest, right? So. But Jamie was already there, right? Yeah, he was there, but he was on the road. So it was just me and Nasaya. We were actually staying in a hotel at the time. Did you yeah. drive out there with Sai? Didn't we drive? Story. We drove. Me Tell and Sai, yeah, we did drive. Me and my son did drive out there. Can I ask you a couple questions about driving out there with him? Yes. And so he was he was not a toddler at that point. He was an infant. No, he was a baby. 
And so what was one of the most unexpected things that happened on that journey? It was really not that bad. I remember one. What was one? When I had get, I had, all right. So we was going through a state. I forget what state we was going. Uh, Texas, Texas. All right. Truck driving. All right. So before she, we got that far, I had to leave them here in New York so I could get on the bus with Brandon, Benji, the one I was, we was telling you about. Yes. Get back on the road truck driving. So he was picking me up from New York so I can get back to California and get my uh, California license renewed so I can get back truck driving. So that's what happened. So I was on the road with Brandon, Benji for a while, end up getting my own company, but getting, getting my license back and everything like that. Started back trucking with a new company. Had to come back and pick her and Nasaya because that was the whole plan. Was I get back trucking? I'm coming to get you, get you out of here, and we moving wherever. So that's what happened. I ended up buying a car, Pontiac Grand Prix, baby. Love nice. It. You know what I mean? It so was blue. It was a blue. It was old school, ninety five, ninety three, something like that. So came back. Called her like, but yeah, that time, let's go get my son. You getting in the car, you following me, and we going to Cali. And that's what she did. She jumped in the car, followed me, and I had drops on the way. I'm still working. So I called my boss like, look, I need to stop here, pick such and such up, and I do runs all the way till we get to the crib. And we did that. We We did do runs all the way there. The baby was good. He's a trucker's baby. There he is. <laughs> he just... Right there in the front seat of the uh, truck. Chilling. No crying, nothing. Chilling. When he, he was at a stop with his dad, he did get out. He wanted to sit with his dad. So, yeah, but he was with his mama. Don't be telling no stories. Okay. No, we weren't driving. He was with his mama, but that boy, he is a trucker's baby. Yeah. He was... He was mostly sleep, you know, still baby. You know what I mean? He was pretty good for the ride. I actually have to say that's 3,000 plus miles. And our kid, he was good. He was cool. So then you're driving, Jamie, but Christina, you and Cy are in Bakersfield and it's a desert in more ways than one for you. I mean, like I said, I've always met good people and I've met some not so great along my journey of being a nomad, I guess you can say. Bakersfield, it was. It was a desert. Oh, my gosh, it was so dry. I couldn't take it. I couldn't. And so, because I had that nice, beautiful Pontiac (laughs) old school car that we had, one day when Jamie was on the road, I packed up our baby, bundled him up all nicey-nicey, put him in his car seat, and we got on the road. I didn't even know where the heck I was going. I just started driving. I was driving north. Yeah. And don't, 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 don't fast forward the story. Nah, nah, don't do that. So, so we leave Bakersfield, me and my son, our son, and we get to Nevada and I see the Las Vegas signs. Now, Nasiah was like, look, you need to feed me. You need to change me. You need to hold me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm over this. So I stopped. And I looked to my left, looked to my right, and then I called my husband. And I was like, well, don't when you come back to California, don't even bother staying because we're not there no more. We officially live in Las Vegas. 
What was it about Las Vegas that just let you know that this is the right place? Well, me personally, I love Reno. Reno is my heart. I I love nature. If I didn't have to stop, I probably would have kept going north until I would have got to Reno. Only thing I'm not a fan about is when it gets winter cold up there. But if you've ever been to Reno in the summer or the fall or the spring, it's amazing and it's beautiful. It's a nature person's paradise, right? Hmm. So, but what made me think that Vegas was the place for us, it was packed full of opportunity. It was somewhere that we would have an opportunity to grow and affordability. Like when I went, it was way more affordable than living in California. That was part of it too. And what did you want to do? I mean, with with a young, uh, he was a toddler by this point, Sai? Um, still somewhat a baby, still somewhat a baby, but yeah, early toddler. Learning to walk. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. what did we want to do? I mean, we were- What did you want to do? What did I want to do? Yeah. I wanted to make it so that my husband's business had a fighting chance and- as a young couple, we could make a solid future for our child. And I want it to be somewhere that was going to offer us that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Vegas seemed to be that opportunity. It was for a while. So we had gotten there and I think what our first year Vegas was good to us. And then I call it massive calamity, but tell me about massive calamity. We lost everything. We lost our business. We lost our apartment. We lost everything. Because we lost our business. And my truck. Oh, your truck. Yeah. Yeah, We lost our business. My truck kept, you know, it was a used truck and I kept fixing on it and everything was fine, but it just, it depleted my funds. I had no more money to pay to fix it because it just kept it just kept messing up. So that was it. I'm like, I'm done. Can't do it no more. There's nothing I can't I can't do nothing. It depleted me. So that was it. I had to you know let it go. I mean, Forbes.com says that 63% of Americans don't even have enough savings to get through a $500 emergency. I mean, when you have a business and, you know, it takes money to make money, right? So you're paying your simple bills, like keeping a roof over your head and that type stuff. And then you're trying to run your business too. It it can get a little, a little challenging for sure. And take care of a child. Yeah. Yeah. And Jamie, then did you, at that point, after losing the truck, that's when you started studying aviation mechanics? Yeah, aviation institute of maintenance, yeah. Maintenance, Uh uh-huh. And that was pretty good, right? I mean, that was really working out for you. Yeah, I like it. And yeah, I did two years. I liked it. But it was just another diploma to put under my belt, another tech school to put under my belt, just in case. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I actually, I was going to go and get into aviation. I was going to find a job and everything in aviation, but it just didn't work out that way. Well, uh, the pandemic hit. That was part of it, right? Exactly. So when the pandemic hit, I was still in school. Uh-huh. I thought so. Yeah, I had to do a class from home. And then when I was done, I had to get my certification, but it just... it. The pandemic messed a whole bunch of stuff up. It, it just put a 
uh, hold on. It, it just messed everything up. But also you skipped something. So like, let's go back for a minute. Yeah, okay. let's go back. Talk to me, Christina. What? <laughs> that, that time period after losing our business, we call that survival mode and trial and tribulations because you were starting school and you were doing school and he did very well. He actually graduated with magnum cum laude, but we got hit with another whammy. And that was, I was extremely ill. I was driving for a lift at the time, but I had gotten really sick. I was very sick and we still had our son and we were trying to figure out what to do and had good friends trying to help us with him and, it just got overwhelming. So I had to send him back East and my mom held him down and took care of him for a while for us. So that was a blessing because we went through a lot in that period of time, just me and Jamie. You lost your place where you had been living, right? Yeah, we had to move and we had a few friends that were basically taking Nasaya in for us and they would watch him and keep him. And, you know, I, bring food for him and stuff like that. And they were making sure he had somewhere safe to be. But me and Jamie, we were, we were roughing it. We were, we were wherever we were, we had to figure it out. So I remember after Saya left, Jamie met up with one of his friends and his friend actually gave us some place to stay because we didn't have any place to stay. So did you have a church family in Las Vegas? Not in um, Las Vegas. Not well, we did after the fact, after my son left. Mm-hmm. But before my son left, we didn't. Before my son left, we had, like I said, we have some good friends, some fellow business um owners who were there for us. They they love our son. Miss Pat is a good one to mention. She loved our son tremendously and she did a lot for him in the time that we were there. So I want to give her a shout out for sure. And Miss Elaine, she's another one. She's a business owner with a tribe of Melanation. And she has some amazing sea moss gel for sale. Just amazing people that, like I said, they saw us hustling. They saw us beautiful family trying to make it work, loses everything. And there were some people that were really there for us. It sounds like a community and it sounds like Jamie, your friend the, who let you come and stay there. That sounds like it was a grounding experience. Was it, was it hard? Was it like humbling? Was it like, Oh man, like eat that pride or what? No, I mean, we all in this together. Some people, I mean, this world, you got good people, you got bad people, but you got people who have been in the same situation you've been in. So that's what it was, you know, and I mean them. And like I said, I'm a people person, so I'm easy to talk to. I listen. I can know you two days, three days, and you're going to seem like we've known each other forever. But I end up, you know, talk to him and he was talking about his cousin and what his cousin do and everything like that. And I end up finding out that his cousin was a preacher and he owned property. Recovering drug addict. So even though we didn't have that as our issue, he was willing to take us in and help us, you know, put a roof over our head, you know, and stuff like with that. that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was an experience, but everywhere I went out of my entire life, I always met good people. And like I said, everything happens for a reason. I believe in the most high man above, you know, so 
That's how I met her. No, no one's perfect. You know, nobody's life's perfect. I mean, people's life is perfect. Yeah, you had it handed down to you. If you don't have it handed down to you, you got to struggle and go through the ups and downs. Hey, you understand. And, you know, that's what happened. And we still here and everything's looking up, you know. I mean, present day, we're still in survival mode, of course, and we're rebuilding, of course. But the reason we left Nevada, if you want to be forthright about it, was COVID was there. The job scarcity was an issue. Economic instability, that was an issue. And low living wage. I mean, there are so many people right now that are struggling because (laughs) you have to choose if you're going to put food on the table or if you're going to put gas in your car. We've experienced loss at a big magnitude. And that was just something that I couldn't put my son through again. So we we headed back east. He's in school now. He's in kindergarten, right? So he loves his teacher. He loves his friends. He's starting his own journey. So we bought him back east to allow him that stability to be able to venture out and experience new things. Was it a difficult decision to come back east to Hudson? Wow. Our neighbors cried. We cried. It it was hard because, I mean, by the time we left Nevada, we did have a community of people. Yeah. Yeah, And we had to give away all our stuff, too. (laughs) Give away some stuff, sell some stuff, yeah. Are are there particular things you would advise for moving with a very young child? Have a plan, have an exit strategy, but we knew we were doing what was right for our son, right? And that's the biggest thing of the decision-making would be, you know, you're weighing all your opportunities, you're looking at your resources, you're looking at what's best for your kid and what you want for them and their future and everything. So it was hard because by the time we left Nevada, it was still our home, you know, manage your resources well. So even if you have little to next to nothing, I know it sounds impossible, but I mean, when we left Nevada, I only was able to pay up for our plane tickets and pay for our luggage and we were gone. I mean, we had to give away everything. And I do mean everything. That's part of the reason why our neighbors cried. They watched us have to give away everything. And we worked hard. I, I was taking care of our family by myself. No help. <laughs> go to work every day. And my neighbors watched. I'd go home. I'd leave early in the morning, come home late at night. And I was working as a medical call center person. So so you had left Lyft at that point and were doing yeah, call to. center work? Yeah, I had to. Uh-huh. And were you better by this time or were you still in pain? I was recovering. So it, it was difficult for sure. But I was recovering. I was doing the best I could with what I had. And Jamie, at that time, you were doing the classes online? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were watching Cy when Christina was off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, when she was at work, I was watching him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, of course, I'm still watching them too. But yeah, when she was up working, and because we set it up where I will, I go to school in the daytime, and then I get off work, and then drop her off at work, and then I watch Nasaya while she's at work. Did you still have the Pontiac? No. No. No, I sold that when we left Vegas. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Because of the business, I sold it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I didn't want to sell her though. That I was mad. I didn't want to sell her, but I had to, you know. So I did, and end up seeing it down the road, you know, being driven and you know being appreciative of it. So yeah, it, it, I didn't want to let it go. Being a nomad is not for the faint at heart, not by far. And there's beauty to it, and there's pain. I would have to say. What being a nomad has taught me, though, I had to build resistance and be resourceful and survive. I mean, you have to survive. There are so many harsh and difficult things out there that you have to navigate through. And being a nomad or living a nomadic life or constantly having to start over it it builds that character in you, for sure. You both determined to work through past ups and downs, failures, and high points toward future success and independence, to rebuild on a foundation of family, faith, being a good parent, providing a role model for Nasaya, and building your own brand and business. Yes. Absolutely. That's what creme de la creme stands for. I mean, we have seen so many things and experienced so many things together and apart. But also, it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. That's what I can say about our story. It's a tearjerker. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you, at some points, angry. But if you're Absorbing anything from the lessons that were learned and experienced, it is truly enlightening. I mean, to be around people that are just struggling to be better, to be better human beings and individuals and parents and friends and coworkers and students. They're just trying to live and survive and thrive and move forward. It's powerful. You feel that with Saya in school and in a place where you have family and a community and church support around you, right? Friends, family, good schools, good work. Do you feel like maybe the nomad journey is going to be on hiatus for a while? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, our journey is still being written, right? So, but yeah. For a while. As we progress, then, you know, there's a lot of stuff going to change. As we get better as our business and everything moves up, we're going to move forward. Stability is a big key when you have a family, for sure. Like when we were by ourselves, it was much easier to navigate and do things that it's not as easy when you have a child. 
And most definitely, if you're striving to be a good parent, you're always being focal on what's best for your child. You have to put what's best for your child in front of you. So we have family and they're still our family, but they're not here. We have family in Nevada. You know what I mean? We have family in Cali. We have family in a lot of different places. But right now, our son is good and he's thriving right here with the family that he has in New York. And some days are good for us and some days are not. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. But you feel like you are moving toward future success and independence. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, every building block of this story is pointing in that direction. Yeah. That's wonderful. This is one smart woman right here. I know. He says I have a big head, but that's why I got a big brain. (laughs) You guys are great. What a story. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of that. Thank you for listening. I'm Christy Cassidy, your host. We'll be back next time with more stories of travel, relocation, and life transitions on Moving Along. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time.